When you lose, it hurts. It's hard. But it's also why winning is so great in this league, because it's not easy to do. And when you get them, man, it's special. I'm just, man, I'm proud of those guys. I'm proud of them. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Workday goes a lot faster when you have something to look forward to. Or we know this. This is why I love weeknight football. Love Monday night football. Even though I really can't stand a lot of aspects of Monday night football. Like, I don't like ESPN. I don't really like the announcers. I don't really like the graphics. Most of the matchups suck. Like, everything about Monday night football is kind of bad. But it's football on a Monday. And that's the most important part. So I like it. Thursday night football. Hated by players. Hated by coaches. Because of short prep time and injuries. And a lot of the media are always like, get rid of Thursday night football. It's 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 poor quality. It's bad for the league. Well, no, it's football on a Thursday night. It's awesome. There's a game on tonight. Which is why I'm amped. I was amped on Monday to watch Bill's Pats in a blizzard. 40 mile an hour wins. And tonight, looking forward to getting to watch the Vikings. I will never get tired of watching the Vikings. Especially in prime time. And Vikings fans, I'm sorry, but I gotta say this. At their best, the Vikings are a super talented, dynamic team, and they can beat anyone, and it's really fun to watch. But you know what? (laughs) At their worst, they also lose to Cooper Rush at home, which is hilarious. So as long as you're not a Vikings fan, it's really a win-win with this team. You either get to make fun of them for being bad, or you get to enjoy them being really good, and they do have good players. So it's a win-win, unless you're a Vikings fan then it's probably the absolute worst. But I'm looking forward to Thursday Night Football tonight. I got an extra little skip in my step with a football game to look forward to. Vikings-Steelers, kind of a weird game, but always, always excited to watch the Vikings in prime time. There's just no bad outcome, really. There's not a bad result, except if you're a Vikings fan. Then there's there's lots of bad results. I've seen a bunch of them so far this year. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Oh, my God, we have so much to talk about tonight. I feel like a blessed man, a lucky man, because the Bucks gave us an interesting game last night, even though they lost. The Badgers, the <laughs> our Wisconsin Badgers, what were they down? 22 points, came back to beat Indiana. Wow. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be fun. Obviously, lots of football talk. Packers, Bears this weekend. Mike Clements will be with us in an hour and 26 minutes. He'll be here at 530 to preview and to talk specifically about this matchup and what the coaches and players are saying. He will join us from Green Bay, where he spends, I swear, every waking moment that he's awake, which is most hours of the day because I get work emails from the guy at like 2, 3 in the morning. He never sleeps. He's always working. He will join us at 530. Give me a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me and follow me, if you don't already, on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Zach and Wisco already says, you need to watch the Manning cast. Yeah, yeah, okay, but there's drawbacks to the Manning cast, too. Like, I feel like I'm missing out on parts of the game because you can't hear it as well, and you're listening to Eli and Peyton, which is funny, but when they have Letterman on or Jon Stewart, I don't really care what they have to say. And when I watch the Manning cast, I can't watch the actual Monday Night Crew and make fun of them because they stink and they say dumb things, and I want to I wanna hear that, too. Like, it's really a lose-lose or a win-win, depending on how you look at it, depending on which broadcast you watch for Monday Night Football. We have a lot of great content for tonight's show, but it's Thursday. So we got to start a little, uh, little NBA lounge. All right, I want to start with some NBA games, including the Bucks. There were 13 games last night. 
13. Most of any night of the season. It's perfect. Sets us up beautifully for today. Our agenda. I want to talk about three teams, one of which is the Bucks. I want to talk about a trade, a possible trade, a trade discussion, a rule, and announced today a new HBO miniseries that gets at the NBA as well. So we have a lot to talk about. Let's jump in. I want to start with the rule because this is overreaching. I tweeted about this on Tuesday night. I can tell so many of you agreed with me because the tweet got like two or three likes. I mean, it almost went viral. It's very close, right? Get rid of NBA challenges. Get rid of them. Gone completely. They're dumb. They're stupid. They're useless. They're really clunky. Not really a benefit to anyone or anything. I was watching the end of Nets Mavs on Tuesday night on TNT. It was the early game. Mavs, by the way, are unwatchable. I don't want to watch the Mavs, which shocking. Coached by Jason Kidd. I can't imagine they're not leading the conference. I didn't see that coming. Final two minutes of this game or so. I don't even know. It was Harden or Kevin Durant or somebody that got hit with a reach-in foul. I don't even remember who it was. And the broadcasters were at a consensus. They agreed. Oh, this is obvious foul. No way they overturned this. No, just move along. We're wasting time. And then Zach Zarba hops on the mic and says, yep, uh, we see that he contacted the ball before the arm. We're overturning the foul. It's like, wait, what? Challenges in the NFL, they're natural. You get both feet down. Did the ball hit the ground? Right? Was the ball tipped before the pass interference? These are easy things. In the NFL, you can't challenge pass interference. Could for a year, and it was a mess. Can't challenge holding. You can't chat, right? Basketball is all objective or subjective or whatever. It's all opinion, right? You're making a call in the heat of the moment as somebody gets hit in the arm or as somebody jumps up in the air. Was it 100% vertical? Did he contact the elbow? Did he contact the ball? These things happen so quickly, and it's not cut and dry like did his toe come down and bounce. Challenges are random. There's only one of them throughout a full four quarters, and it's all you forget about it until it comes up, and it's not at all like football where you got the red flag. They just suck. They, they suck. Get rid of them. I want to start today's NBA Lounge. I had that at the top of my sheet as I was prepping for this segment all week long. Get rid of them. They're dumb. And they bother me. Next, I want to talk about the late game TNT on Tuesday. Lakers-Celtics, of course. LA won 117-102. And LeBron, after the game, said that's the best win of our season. Best 48 minutes of basketball we've played. Well, if beating the 13-12 and 12 Celtics is your best win. I don't know what that says about all of your other games and your other wins, but then again, LA is 13 and 12 too, so need to judge them in the appropriate context. I don't know that the Lakers are that good right now. And we've done this with LeBron's teams before in Cleveland and Miami. It's like, oh, they don't look very good. And then a couple months later, they look awesome. And why in the world did we ever doubt them in the first place? I don't know. LeBron is certainly older, points per game, On the decline, free throws per game on the decline, two pretty indicative numbers of a player that's aging, wanting to play a less physical brand of basketball. His minutes are up there, though they have to be because the rest of this team isn't very good. Five-point game at halftime on Tuesday night. Russell Westbrook's got 15 in the third quarter. Just goes off out of the gates in the second half. Helps that they're at Staples or Crypto.com Arena or whatever it is now. Came out with energy. And that's what Westbrook, in theory, was supposed to bring to L.A., That deal didn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, Westbrook just doesn't make a whole lot of sense on most teams. But what people thought was, well, he'll bring the energy. He'll bring the physicality throughout the regular season when these old Lakers just don't have it. And I guess that worked out on Tuesday. Hey, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. I guess it worked once out of what's 13 plus 12. 
30 times? No, that would be 15 plus 15. You can tell I'm not here to do math. The two and the three going together. Was that 25 games? Yeah, 25. Bingo. Russell Westbrook, Blind Squirrel, finds a nut every once in a while. Problem is, really poor shooter, defensively really bad late in games. Anthony Davis has also been a problem for them. And I was like listening to Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal. Charles Barkley on Tuesday night about Anthony Davis. Listen, Anthony Davis, you got to play better. I said on this first night, if the Lakers were going to be any good, it was all going to be on you. Has nothing to do with Russell, had nothing to do with LeBron, and the rest of them old-ass geezers they put together out there. But now y'all done crossed the line because I really like Frank Vogel. And listen, it ain't his fault. But listen, it's, in my opinion, <laughs> I blame Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, you know I like you as a person. But you ain't, you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. You're 27 years old. You're supposed to be in your prime. You're supposed to be one of the five best players in the world up there with Giannis, Kevin Durant, and those guys. And you ain't holding up your end of the bargain. So now I hear y'all going to fire the coach. That's total BS, man. Now I feel better. Frank Vogel is in a tough spot because I don't know that his team is that good, and that'll get you fired as coaching LeBron and the Lakers. But they also have all of these players that came to L.A. expecting to play. Mello, Bazemore, Dwight, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, DeAndre Jordan, Rajon Rondo. Right, what? You can't play all those guys. So Frank Vogel with a lot of these players, he's going to have to tell them, I think, tough reality, tough truth. Might have to break some feelings. All right, also on the Lakers front, before we move along, trailer dropped today for Adam McKay's winning time. His thing that's miniseries on HBO that's about the Showtime Lakers. It's based on Jeff Perlman's Showtime, colon, Magic, Kareem, Riley in the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s. So we got John C. Riley as Jerry Buss. Adrian Brody, who was just in succession. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. He's playing Pat Riley, Jason Siegel, Sally Field. I'm amped. It looks really cool. I just wanted to mention that because we're going to talk about some TV later on in the show. Before we get to the Bucks, but staying in the Bucks division, a division that they just dominate, as I said. Look, bet money line Bucks. Anytime they play any of the Central Division opponents, Pistons, Cavs, we'll see about the Bulls. They don't play until January, but just make money. It's all Bud does is beat up on his division. The Bucks. I don't know if they've lost at Pfizer form to a Central Division opponent yet. I got to think about it. I have to go back and look. I want to talk about the Pacers, another divisional opponent of the Bucks. I don't know if you saw the news earlier today or earlier this week, and we mentioned it briefly. Pacers are 10 and 16, and they're reportedly looking at a major rebuild. Shams had it. Bob Kravitz chimed in through The Athletic as well. So they're talking about potentially trading Karis Levert. And, and this is interesting, either DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner. They like Chris Duarte. right? They have some young players they're excited about. I think he was the 13th pick this year. So I guess they build around him. I have some questions I would direct to the Pacers. Pritchard, their president of basketball ops. Do they think in Indy that their championship or bust? Is that Pacers basketball? Like, nothing is worth it if they're not winning titles. Like, we would rather be terrible and rebuild and be basically Sam Hinkieing it. You'd rather do that than be the sixth seed or shoot for the fifth seed? Look, they're 10 and 16. They're not that bad. Or they're 11 and 16 now. I just, they're better than that. They're going to win more games. They're going to get TJ Warren back. They're 1 and 8 in games that have been decided by four points or less. That's going to swing around as well. There's a lot of luck related to that. I don't get it, Pacers. Do, do you think this isn't worth it if you're not one of the two or three best teams in the East? Because guess what? You're the Indiana Pacers. You're never going to get free agents. 
You're going to have to do this through trades and through the draft, which is why you need to be a little bit more aggressive, I think, like the Brewers would be in tearing it down in order to build it back up. Don't get me wrong, but I just, they're not horrendous. I really like DeMontis Sabonis. He fits on any team. You can put anyone around him. Passes. He rebounds. He scores from everywhere. Maybe he doesn't fit with Miles Turner. So trade Miles Turner to a contender. You can keep Levert, keep Duarte, keep Sabonis, and keep on going. Like, OKC tore it down to the studs to get whatever, two, three dozen draft picks. It's a ridiculous amount. But OKC knew that their assets were diminishing, right? Russ was his his all-time high. Right And Mello obviously wasn't getting younger. And Paul George, when that was their core, they looked at that and said, okay, if we don't make some moves now, we won't have the opportunity to make moves down the road. You're telling me Sabonis is going to decline in value? Nah. Maybe Karis LeVert a little bit, but I don't know how much value he actually has right now. They're not going to get a King's Ransom for Karis LeVert in December 2021. OKC was a little different, and OKC isn't Indiana. I know Indiana doesn't have a dozen championships on their mantle, but... They're a little bit better than the Thunder and have been historically. Obviously, Oklahoma City's a lot newer, so it's not totally fair. I do want to talk about our Bucks too. They lost to the Heat last night. And as not to backtrack on what I said yesterday, the Heat are banged up. The Bucks are not, relatively. I know they're without, obviously, Brooke Lopez, but they're not as banged up as the Heat are. And I said yesterday, you got to win this game. I didn't say must win. I wasn't pounding the desk over it, but you got to take advantage when you play the Heat and they're banged up and you're healthy. And those things ebb and flow, right? Sometimes the Bucks will be banged up as they were weeks ago. Sometimes they'll be healthy. They needed to win last night, and they didn't. They lost 113-104. And I don't want to now pretend like it's not a big deal because this is a game they should have won. However, I want to tell you about my viewing experience and tell you why I feel the way that I feel. You can tell I'm not that frustrated about this game. And I wasn't. I tweeted about it last night. I was go grand. I was playing music with some buddies. We had a band practice. We're working on putting a set list together, getting ready for a show. So I had the game on my laptop. It was on the table next to me, and it was on mute. And I was watching. I was, I was plugged in, okay? It's not like I was checking on it every couple of minutes. I watched the end of the Wisconsin game. I watched the Bucks game. But I was watching it on mute. And actually last night, and I was getting ready for the show today, I thought, man, that's actually kind of an interesting, sneaky, objective way to watch. Sometimes. I wouldn't want to watch every game on mute. But sometimes... Turn the sound off, and you just see things that matter. Now, you're going to miss things here and there, but sometimes that's good. I don't hear the crowd. I don't hear the the boos. I don't hear Take the emotion out of it. Take the rivalry. Take the fans out of it with the heat, and just let me see basketball. Well, the Bucs shot poorly. Giannis had his first real bad game of the year, only 15 points. Chris Middleton actually shot pretty well, but 20 points, it's not like he went off for 40 or 45 Drew Holiday had 27. They were fine. They had a bad shooting night. The Heat made a franchise record 22 threes. Okay, like, it's going to be tough. Caleb Martin had 28. You might be thinking, who's Caleb Martin? Exactly! He's one of those identical twins that played at Nevada. You remember that when they had their run in the tournament a couple of years ago? It's not a big deal. It's a make or miss league. That's what I chalked it up to yesterday. Make or miss league. The Heat made last night. The Bucks missed. Heat are 15 and 11. They're dragging. Give them a freebie. It's obviously very important to them. You noticed that from Heat fans on Twitter last night. They were a little, uh, well, they're being Heat fans. Nothing new about that. Let's take a break. I want to come back and talk about our other basketball team that played last night, Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, Johnny Davis is that man. He's always been that man. This is this is nothing new. This is routine for that man. 22-point comeback against Indiana. Tough. <laughs> 
Still haven't won at the Kohl's Center in like 100 years. Let's talk about that game. It was fun. I can't wait. That's coming up in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm so amped for the rest of tonight's show. We're just getting started. I, Between the Badgers and the Bucks and the rest of the NBA and Packers, I want to talk a little TV before the end of the show as well. I'm amped to be here. And then tonight we get to watch the Vikings, which, as fans of other teams, is really fun. I think watching the Vikings as a Vikings fan is miserable, but let me tell you, everyone else, we're having a blast. They either do something amazing. Justin Jefferson might go for 200 yards tonight. Steelers can't cover him. Uh, there's also a chance that they do something like lose off a bye to Cooper Rush or lose to the winless Lions. Like, it's it's a joy. It is a joy that I will never get tired of. Vikings fans, I'm sorry. Just know that I take great joy in watching your team in primetime games. 608-796-2558. We're about to talk about the Badgers. If you want to join in, be a part of that. You're more than welcome to. They beat Indiana last night. 64-59. I believe at one point the largest deficit for the Badgers was 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, largest lead, 22. Yep, there it is. Want to make sure I had that right. It was a lot. And when I left work last night, the game had started, and I threw it on the radio, and I was like, oh, it's not even close, damn it. And I thought, well, you know, that sucks, but let's see how this team hangs in there. Let's see if they let go of the rope or if they try to make a run at this. And then they eventually made a run at it, and they never went away, and they were able to sneak by and really steal a game from Indiana at the Kohl's Center last night. I didn't expect it, and I do want to talk about it. Johnny Davis, especially the attitude of this team, which is my biggest takeaway right now. And I had a couple of people tweet me about that last night. It's attitude. That's what I think impresses me most with this team. I believe on the phone we have Mike in downtown Madison. Mike, what's going on? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Between the Badgers and the Bucks, a lot to talk about today. Dude, that game broke my heart. The Bucks game? No, the Badgers game, man. Ooh. Just because, you know, from LaPorte and uh, love IU oh. basketball, I can't say I don't. It broke my heart, man. Just because of the lead. Um, it was a good win for the Badgers. I, I, I am impartial when it comes to college basketball. I'm not I'm not huge on either team. Oh, good to know. Um, but these, uh, these stats I was looking at today, man, the free throws. The Badgers shot 83% from the free throw line last night. Yep. Um, and especially those, I maybe you can help me out. Who was the kid that made four of them at the end of the game? Chucky Hepburn. And I wrote that down yeah. this morning. I was like, that's that seems simple. That seems like a little thing, but it's it's not. Those were four huge, huge. shots. Huge. Huge shots. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a massive point in the game that really just sealed it for the Badgers. Um, Thought the crowd was into it, you know, the second half and really came alive. Davis is just – that guy is just unbelievable. Mm. Um, we talked last week, would this be a good test for Wisconsin? I think it was. I think it was physical. I think it was It was just a really, really good game for them, especially in the second half defensively. Indiana's just so big, and they're physical in ways. And they're going to see physical players, like you talked about Illinois or obviously Indiana too, some of these big players with big centers that they're going to have to deal with. They held in their rebounding yeah. last night. Like, there were plays 
where all of those shots were so critical down the stretch. You talked about those Hepburn free throws, but there were possessions where a shot would be missed and it just seemed like a mad scramble for the ball. Wisconsin wasn't big and overbearing and they weren't boxing out and rebounding the traditional way, but they were just so active. They were flying everywhere and they were locking down a lot of those loose balls. It was really impressive the way that they went up against a big, legit Big Ten team. Yes, the attitude, and you were kind of pressing on that. I agree with you. The attitude of that team right now is where it needs to be. Uh, one question before you let me go. Yeah. Uh, I heard this today, and I wanted to hear your take on it when you do Packers today. Mm-hmm. When when Aaron Jones comes back to full strength, do you think that they'll be splitting those carries like 15 and 15 between him and Dylan? Or do you think it's going to be maybe higher Dylan because we've seen more of him? And then I want you to talk about, you know, kind of the differences between them of their receiving. Because we've seen A.J. Dylan have some really good receiving games here mm-hmm. in the last two or three games. Um, but Jones has always looked at as, you know, has the better hand. So I'm um, really interested to hear what you have to say on that. Yeah, absolutely. I got that written down. We can do that coming up next because we're going to switch to Packers after we wrap up with the Badgers here. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yep, yeah. Have a good one. Mike in downtown Madison. Not partial to the Badgers, though. Would have known. And also, if you're from LaPorte, that's a lot closer to Notre Dame than it is to Bloomington, isn't it? I'm not going to pretend like I have any idea where Bloomington is. But I know LaPorte is, is really close to Notre Dame and South Bend. I can't imagine Bloomington's closer. But Mike's just impartial. He's a fan of the sport. And look, as a college basketball guy now, I can respect that. Just It's nice to be a fan of the sport, fan of the NCAA. As, as, a, as a big picture thing, not as an entity uh, because the NCAA is the worst, but teams and just the sport as a whole. I, I appreciate that. I'm a fan of the league, too, as a, as a college basketball guy now. Two things that Mike hit on that are important. Johnny Davis is he's that man. I tweeted last night. I was like, that is who he is. That's always who he's been. I've seen that, I've seen that kind of shot 30 times. Uh, back through his years at Lacrosse Central when I would cover their games, when I'd watch their games, he'd hit shots like that all the time. And they're not classic, traditional shots that you see now. Like, if you watch an NBA game, and this is leaked into the college game too, which I actually kind of find frustrating. I'm such a college basketball purist. I don't, you know, leave my leave my sport alone. I, I, I don't know if it's because the players are watching too much NBA or now it's just a different generation of players or what, but if you watch a late college basketball game or an NBA game and it's tied and they're running out the possession to try to win the game at the buzzer, or let's say there's let's say there's 13 seconds left and there's like 10 seconds on the shot clock. So what's amounting to basically a final possession, and you're watching that? How often do players actually go with the rack anymore? It's not very common. It's typically a step-back three, or it's one dribble and a shot, or it's a move and a shot at the top of the key, right? Whereas I think traditionally you think, We'll get to the paint, and the worst comes to worst, you get fouled and you get free throws, right? And that's always what we've heard. The NBA has gone away from that, and college is starting to follow suit. Johnny Davis loves getting into that high paint area around the free throw line. I love it when he drives, lowers his shoulder, and gets near the top of the key, and then he he can make a, a pretty clear decision normally. He can keep driving, or he's got such a good pull-up mid-range jumper. And that's such a weapon of a shot because defenses just aren't geared to defend that. We become so three-point heavy, layup heavy, and you try to cut out everything else. Well, if you're a player like Johnny Davis who can rise and fire from that area, that's a soft point in the defense to attack, and we've seen that usefulness in the NBA too. Kawhi, Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker can just shoot from anywhere, but Devin Booker hits that area really well as well. Bradley Beal, right, another player. 
Johnny Davis is that man. Always has been. He always will be. That's just the way that he's wired. That's who he is. And we saw it again last night with that huge go-ahead three-point shot in the Koenig corner, right? Ranging to his right towards the baseline. Uh, well, I want to talk about attitude before we move on. I think this is my big takeaway from the Badgers. I still don't know if they're any good. And somebody tweeted me last night. I don't remember who it was, so I apologize. But he just tweeted at me. He's like, so is this, this team a contender? Are they contenders now? And I responded and I said, I don't know. Honestly, I don't really care. They play like they think they're contenders. And at least in early December, that's what matters. That's what counts, right? This team plays like they think they're the best team in the country. This team plays like someone forgot to tell them that they're really young and they're not that good yet. Like, they don't play like that at all. They just play like... They they don't give up. They don't let go of the rope. That's such an important trait. Indiana gapped them. And then was just going to try to hold on. But they faltered down the stretch. They had some really makeable shots that they missed. They missed free throws. And Wisconsin, had they let go of the rope at any point in the game, wouldn't have been around to take advantage of that. But they stay right there. And when Indiana slipped up, they were right there to make a move and get past them. Right? And they just have this, not cockiness, but they just have this pep about them. And attitude and confidence are so important, not just in sports, but in real life. Right, like as a radio host, I think I heard, I know I referenced Ryan Rossillo yesterday. I remember listening to his pod last summer, The year, it was during the pandemic, and he had Scott Van Pelt on, and he said that he always marveled at other sports radio hosts that would bomb for a segment. They'd be really bad, and then they'd walk away from the mic thinking, yeah, I killed it. He killed it. It was great. Like, that's an important skill to have as an entertainer, because not every show is going to be great. Not every set is going to be perfect. Not every segment is going to be good. Like, I think of musicians who tour and play 30 dates over the course of a summer, right? Like, not every guitar solo you play is going to be good, but you need to walk away and think, ah, it's fine. I'm still the best. My next one's going to be great. And that's how this Badgers team plays. I don't know if they're any good, but they don't seem to care. And it's resulted in a really fun team to watch. been really fun to watch. And they're kind of clutch. Johnny Davis is clutch, but Chucky Hepburn hitting those four free throws late, that's that's tough. That's tough. And if you can rely on his free throw shooting and Brad Davison's free throw shooting, like, yeah. Yeah. This team's got some good components. And they're components that work well with the system Wisconsin plays, right? Don't turn the ball over. Make your free throws. Play defense. They're they're checking those boxes. And that's those are, I mean, necessary boxes to check if you want to win the way Wisconsin has always won, at least under Bo Ryan and, and now... Greg Gard. Let's take a break. I want to get into the Packers. I want to talk about the Bears side of this equation and maybe get to some of those points that Mike in downtown Madison brought up with the Packers running game. That's all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show about to switch gears to Packers Bears. Glad you're hanging out today. Thank you for being here. A lot to talk about with the Badgers and the Bucks last night. We already hit on that. We're gonna do a little bit more Badgers probably in about 45 minutes, right before Mike Clemens joins us. Because I get not everybody listens for the full two hours. I want to make sure at least the majority of people get to hear a little bit of Badgers talk. Because last night was awesome. Huge win to start Big Ten play for the Badgers. And of course, another Johnny Davis moment. What a surprise. It's not a surprise at all. My name is Grant Bills. You can follow me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. 
You can text me, call me, 608-796-2558. Mike in Monona says, I never saw Michael Finley play at Wisconsin, but Johnny Davis is the most talented Wisconsin player of my lifetime. Wow. What about Zach Showalter? You sure? High praise from Mike and Monona. I mean, I look, I've been a Johnny Davis believer for three or four years. I watched play in high school, watched him play in playoff games. I watched him big out of conference games against players from around the country. Yes. Yes. That's what I'll say to you, Mike. Yes. Appreciate your text. I do want to talk about some football. It is football season. S-Z-N, as we say on social media. We've attacked the Packers from lots of different angles for the last week and a half during the bye, and I think we got a lot of that down. I want to approach this from the Bears' side, too, especially from Matt Nagy, because we've reached the point in the season now where teams start to be okay with firing coaches. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears get waxed on Sunday. Matt Nagy could get canned. And if the Vikings have another really ugly loss before now in the end of the season, Mike Zimmer could get canned, too. We've entered that part of the season where we can kind of start to think about that. Like, if you don't start 0-5 and you make it into the middle of the season, as the Bears did with Nagy and the Vikings with Zimmer, although we weren't looking to fire Zimmer, I think this season has just been, we've seen this with Zimmer before. I think they'll probably move on. They can't keep doing it. We talked about that on Monday. They can't keep doing this. We've reached that part of the season where we can talk about coaches. I want to talk about Matt Nagy and how he has kind of shaped this Bears team and been obviously a big part as head coach of how the season has gone for the Bears. I wanted to share this with you. This was an exchange he had with a reporter yesterday. I own you stuff at the end of the last game. Do you guys put that up on your uh, in your room at any point this week? Do you bring it up Saturday night? Do you use it as motivation at all? I mean, we're, we're aware of it. So that's all he said. I didn't, I didn't shorten that. I didn't cut that up. That's what he said. We're aware of it. So I watched this Matt Nagy presser in full because we see a lot of clips of Matt Nagy saying kind of weird things. And I was like, you know what? I I don't want to take anything out of context. I want to watch the whole presser. And he starts talking about Justin Fields and answering questions about his health. And he's very engaging and he's thorough and he's answering questions. So maybe this is just cherry picked as kind of a weird Matt Nagy moment. But if some reporter asks you, hey, last time the Packers played you, It was at Soldier Field. Rodgers scored, and he yells, I own you to the fans, and it was this great moment for the Packers and him. Not so great for Chicago. You guys using that for bulletin board material? And your answer is, we're aware of it. And you move on? Here's my question. Does Matt Nagy want to keep his job? Does he he want to be the Bears coach? Does he love Chicago? Does he love the Bears? Does he want to keep that job? I'm sure the answer is yes, because no coach is wanting to be fired. It's one of the 32 coaching jobs in the world you can get in professional American football. But sometimes I think with Matt Nagy, just can't you play along a little bit? Play the PR game. Work the angle, buddy. Humor the media a little bit. Humor the fans. Have a laugh at your own expense. I don't know, because, you know, honestly, and Bears fans, this might make you mad. And... Maybe this is just how I'm feeling today, and maybe this isn't really what I believe about Matt Nagy. But the, the thing about Nagy, like, his win-loss record is defensible. It's not glowing. It's not amazing, but it's defensible. He's over 500 in his career. That's something Kyle Shanahan can't say. I get their different situations. He's 32-28. and 28. He had Trubisky and took him to the playoffs twice. And he's had to deal with Glennon and Dalton and Nick Foles. And nothing complicates a head coach's job like trying to figure out who the quarterback should be 
and having to answer questions about it, and having to manage that and be hands-on with who's going to start. And if he's healthy, he'll go. But if not, he'll go. And is he your full-time starter? That's a lot of work for a coach to deal with. And the wins and losses with Nagy are fine. They're not great. They're fine. It's everything else that confuses me. Because with Trubisky, we saw over the years that he's not a pocket passer. We saw that in 2018. He was at his best when he was on the move, and he was doing all these different things. And Matt Nagy seemed bound and determined to make Trubisky a pocket passer, which is weird. Even if you didn't want Trubisky in the first place, your success as a head coach and your longevity in this league is dependent on your ability to fit with the personnel that you have. Even if it's not a great fit, you need to be able to adapt and learn and grow. And he never really seemed to do that with Trubisky. And now with Justin Fields, his MO as a quarterback is so easy to see. If you just go watch his Ohio State tape, you get him figured out in a heartbeat. He's basically Russell Wilson. He holds the ball for a long time, always looks to make the big play, can survey the defense at multiple levels, likes to move outside the pocket, take deep shots. And yet, when Fields' career started against the Browns and in subsequent weeks since then, Nagy runs all these intermediate sets to the sticks, and there's no layering throughout the levels of the defense. It's RPOs. It's quick timing stuff. It's precision stuff. Why? That's why I wonder if Matt Nagy actually wants to keep this job because some of the things that he does make the opposite of sense. I was listening to our friend, Bart Winkler, friend of show this morning, just seeing what he was having to say about Packers and Bears. Nagy had two options this season, and this is what Bart said this morning, and I liked it, so I'm stealing it. He said Matt Nagy had two options. Either sit Fields and go all in on the long-term plan, sit him this year, let him learn, and Matt Nagy was in Kansas City when Patrick Mahomes sat an entire year. It's doable. That's sellable to ownership. Look, uh, Miss Virginia McCaskey, that's not what Matt Nagy sounds like. I don't know why I did that voice. He said, look, I was in Kansas City when we drafted Mahomes and when we had Alex Smith, and there were so many benefits to Patrick for sitting for that first season then when he came out in year two, he was so great he won the MVP. He threw for 50 touchdowns or whatever the number was. And I have experience with this. And Andy Dalton is an Alex Smith, but he's fine. And we can get by with him and we can build the team and evaluate everyone. So next year when Justin Fields takes over, he'll be ready to pop. That was option A. Option B, start Fields immediately. Take your lumps and grow with him. Get a little bit better every week. Show the Bears ownership that you are the guy to groom him and build a system around him and learn what he's good at and what he's not. Those were his two options. And somehow he failed to do either. <laughs> like he did neither. He he didn't support Justin Fields. He shoehorned him in there and made him run this weird offense that doesn't really benefit him. And then with Andy Dalton, I, like he started him for a couple of weeks. And then was like, well, now, now we want to switch over. It's like, well, wait, are we doing the Dalton thing? Or are we doing the Fields thing? Because you're not doing either, and it's getting the worst result for you and your team. It's a mess. And I think the Bears are going to move on from him as a result. I was reading a piece in The Ringer today by Steven Ruiz about whether or not it's now time to move on from Matt Nagy and a couple of other coaches. He wrote about Zimmer, and he wrote about Vic Fangio, and Joe Judge, although I don't even care about Joe Judge. I scroll past. I don't care about the Giants. They're not taking up any of my time. I think this is good logic when deciding whether or not you want to keep a coach. Think this. Ask yourself this question, Bears fans. What did you bring Matt Nagy in to do? What did you hire him to do? Think about that. Has he done that thing? No? Okay, well, then it's probably time to move on. 
And this is what Steven Ruiz wrote in the ringer today, and I really liked it. Developing fields should be the Bears' top priority. Nagy hasn't provided any evidence that he's the right coach for that job, nor has he proved to be an effective play caller, which is kind of an issue for a coach who was billed as a top offensive mind when he was hired. He brought him in to be a top offensive mind, put in a creative offense, be a great play caller. He has not done that. His job specifically this year was to groom Justin Fields and show that he was the guy to grow and develop him. He has not shown that. Fire him this week, fire him in a couple of weeks, whatever, but he he ain't the guy. He ain't it. We'll talk more about that in the second half of the show. Mike Clements is going to join us to talk Packers Bears at 5.30. Let's get an update from Mike Clements. And then I actually, if you allow me, I want to talk about TV when we come back. Uh, We talked a little bit earlier, the winning time on HBO, the trailer dropped today, and it's about the Showtime Lakers, and it looks awesome. I actually, for a couple of minutes, if you allow me, I want to talk about Succession, which we've mentioned before. We're going to do that coming up next because I I got some things to say, and I find it very interesting. So let's talk about that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers practice outdoors, a walkthrough, then some 11-on-11 with Kurt Benkert at quarterback. Is there any chance Aaron Rodgers will take some snaps this week before Sunday night's game against the Bears? Matt LaFleur. We'll we'll just play it day by day and and see where he's at on each day. And if he can get some reps, that'd be great. If he can't, he can't. Aaron Rodgers is 6-1 against the Bears since Matt Nagy took over in Chicago as head coach. Nagy on facing Green Bay again after Rodgers shouted, I own you at Soldier Field. The the bottom line is is that, you know, recently in in these four years since I've been here, we haven't beat beat them enough. You know, we got to win these games and we haven't and then stay away from some of the things that we know we can't do against them because he'll make you pay. The I own you stuff at the end of the last game, do you guys put that up on your uh, in your room at any point this week? Do you use it as motivation at all? I mean, we're, we're aware of it. Rogers asked if I own you is bulletin board material this week for the Bears. Well, that comment was to the fans uh, who were giving me the bird. Uh, I don't know. You can uh, you can question a whole lot of what I said. You know, we've had a good record over the years against them, and have gotten the better of them the last, uh, I don't know, 27, 28 times we've played them for the most part. But I get it. At some point, that will be used against me. It is what it is. I don't I don't regret saying it at all. And Packers running back Aaron Jones on his nomination for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for his service in the community. You know, people go out and buy my jerseys, come to games, write me letters, do so many things, and that has a lasting effect on me, and that just makes me want to continue to work hard so I can give back to people and people in need as well, you know. Best. Packers coverage. That update, Mike Clements on Twitter. I'm at Mike Clemens NFL. He'll be here at 530. We'll get to talk to Mike about some last minute Packers Bears things. It's funny. Rogers was asked about that. I own you comment. I really think it's just media and reporters that are like, it's a fun story. I don't think anyone really cares. I don't think Bears fans are that mad or offended. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. Jimmy Graham was asked about it in his press today because I was watching Bears pressers. I was bored. And he's like, I see stuff like that all the time. It just isn't on mic. Like, we get it. It's fun. It's part of a really emotional sport. I'm sure the Bears will use it to motivate themselves. Matt Nagy says we're aware of it. Um, But I don't think it's this huge deal that maybe it's it's been made out to be because it keeps coming up. But whatever. I'd rather talk about that than his toe. I'm not going to complain. We're going to get back into the Packers here in about six minutes. I do want to uh, I do some pop culture stuff. We did this earlier this week. 
almost as a joke. What were you we talking about? We we're complaining about concerts. So I-, I wanted to talk about TV for a couple minutes today. Uh, step into the, the pop culture corner, something. I don't know. We can think of a name later. Um, we were talking earlier about HBO Max and this miniseries that's going to come out about the Showtime Lakers. And I hate the Lakers, but I'm really excited to watch it. John C. Riley is Jerry Buss and Sally Field and Adrian Brody. Like, it should be really fun. Magic Johnson and Kareem. Like, that's that's going to be fun. And it looked like it had the 70s vibe, right? Like, the AM radio type thing. Like, it looks really interesting. I think I could live off of HBO Max alone. I think I could do without Hulu and Netflix. I remember when we got Netflix. I was in seventh grade, I think, somewhere around there. I was in middle school. I remember being in science class telling my friend, like, yeah, we got Netflix. A very vivid memory of that. Felt like royalty. And then I remember Hulu kind of becoming a thing. And then Disney Plus. And then ever since then, it's been a million stream. Now we're used to it. There's Paramount Plus. There's HBO Max. And there's Showtime. And there's Stars. And there's Discovery Plus, which seemingly no one has, but I hear commercials for it every day when I listen to podcasts or whatever. I think I live off HBO Max alone. These music box things that have been put out, Bill Simmons is the executive producer. They've been awesome. Have one on Alanis Morissette and DMX, Kenny G, right? Like, it's been really interesting. There's one about Juice World that comes out next week, which should be interesting if you're into that kind of thing. I'm not a huge Juice World fan but I'm probably going to watch it anyways because the series has been really good. And obviously, Succession. Um, The season finale is this weekend, and I'm hoping to get Perry on next week, not to talk Packers-Bears only, but maybe to talk about Succession a little bit too. I know it's annoying when everyone talks about a show. It makes you want to watch it less. I was that guy with Thrones. I got so annoyed with people talking about Game of Thrones that I refused to watch it until the show was over, and then I binged it over the course of like two months. I took my time, I guess. I never even finished last season. I'm like, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I drag my feet. Watch Succession. Even if you're annoyed about hearing people and you're jaded about it, like, you should watch it. It's really mean humor, and it's combined with just, like, really cringy conflict, which is a combination that I don't know if I've gotten in a show, or at least not one that I can think of. And if you're watching it right now, like, turn me down for, like, three minutes. I don't want to spoil it. The last two episodes have been nuts. And the last two episodes, one was a big birthday party, and then this last week, which is the penultimate episode, it was the second to last one of the season, the finales this weekend, which is typically the, the episode where the big things happen, and then there's a little bit of resolution in the season finale. And even if the season finale is like, exciting, it's typically not as exciting and action-packed as the one before. This one's in Tuscany, and there's this wedding. And I'm no expert on TV or scripts or show running or anything like that. I'm in awe of the show and how they create these environments like, uh, they create play places for these characters. They they drum up these characters, and, and they create these personalities. And then all of these episodes have just been, they've been like, like a jungle gym. And they just turn these characters loose, and it's this environment where we can just sit back and, like, enjoy them. It's like, it's like going to a dog park. When you take your dog there, and you open the gate, and you just let the dog go, and then everyone just stands there and smiles, and you watch the dogs interact. That's what, like, Succession has been the last two weeks. Whether it's, it's in this last week, it was this lavish, like, Tuscany wedding and then a couple of weeks ago it was this billionaire type birthday party with tech people and celebrities and it's just interesting setting these characters loose in these environments and watching them and if you're into the behind the teens behind the teens behind the scenes <laughs> part of TV you should read this piece that came out this week on Jeremy Strong who's the lead actor it's in the New Yorker and it's really interesting and there's some comments from some of his castmates like Brian Cox and Kieran Culkin where they almost seem a little bit worn out by Jeremy Strong. He's a method actor. 
right? Like, he's nuts. He looked up to Daniel Day-Lewis and Dustin Hoffman, and I think whereas everyone else on the show is pretty loose, and they have fun, and they improvise, and then there's Jeremy Strong, who's just some nutcase that wants to be real life. He wants his character to be himself. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis would always build cabins. He's He's playing Abraham Lincoln or whatever, so he's gonna build a log cabin when they're getting the show. Like, it's a method actor, like someone who goes through it. And I watched this interview with Brian Cox, who was quoted in this article as well and talking about Jeremy Strong in the show, but he was on with Seth Meyers the other night, and he was talking about method acting, and it's interesting. Because if you can't separate yourself, because you know, you're dealing with all this material every day, you can't live in it, you know, eventually you get worn out. Like, to me, Dan Day-Lewis got worn out at 55. He decided to retire because you couldn't go on doing that every day. I love Brian Cox's voice, by the way. He had this quote about Dustin Hoffman in the piece, I thought it was really interesting about Marathon Man. Um, I'm going to read this to you. He says, uh, Cox, a a classically trained British stage actor, has a turn it off, turn it on approach. He recalls a famous story about Lawrence Oliver working with Dustin Hoffman in 76 on Marathon Man. On learning that Hoffman had stayed up partying for three nights before a scene in which he had to appear sleep deprived, Oliver said, my dear boy, why don't you try acting? Cox told me actors are funny creatures. I've worked with intense actors before. It's particularly an American disease. I think the inability to separate yourself while on the job. Wow. Interesting, considering that he is playing some CEO of this major corporation that's, you know, this beast of capitalism and kind of that that American idea of not separating work ever. Very interesting. If you don't watch the show, uh, you should. And the profile on Jeremy Strong was really interesting kind of to, to read along and, and to kind of see some of the backstory of how a show like that is made. Um, it's very interesting, and I certainly enjoyed reading it. I don't know. We don't know if Kendall's alive or dead. Last episode was kind of a cliffhanger. Let's take a break. I want to get back into the Packers, talk a little Badgers, and Mike Clements will join us as well. First, an update from our good buddy, Zach Heilbrink. (laughs) 